is to have have fun here talking about small business stuff. You know, I mean, there's so much stuff to talk about involving small businesses. And along the way, we're going to give you knowledge and tools to succeed with your small business, whether it's just starting up or if you've had it for a while and you're having fun running it, I hope. My name's Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my business partner, Adam Sunhalter. That's right. We try to have lots of fun here on our show, and we have uh, lots to be thankful for here on this Thanksgiving week as we come into uh, the latter part of the year here and and getting ready for, for what's going on. And one of those things you should be thankful for, I think, is having your business. Uh, it's always a good thing to be thankful for, and as you have a chance to reflect upon the year that was, and as you get ready here, you know, as we're here in planning season, looking out for the for 2017 as far as what you want to do with your business, um, it's a good time to kind of reflect upon things and to really. Be able to give some give thanks for for things that, that that have gone well. Some lessons you probably learned during the course of the year. That if you look back a year ago, you're you know you're a lot smarter and better than you were a year ago, which is always a good thing. Um, we know we have lots to be thankful for as part of our business as well. Uh, one of those things is, is this show here, which is the Thirty Secrets of Small Business, uh, which has been a lot of fun so far this year. We're having a lot of fun continuing to do this, which we help out a lot of the small business owners who are out there, folks who own companies anywhere from one to twenty five employees. That's the folks we typically coach on uh, a day-to-day basis. We're looking to help here with our, with our success stories of not only the companies that Jack and I have personally owned, but the hundreds of, of clients we've helped as well from a coaching standpoint. So we're here to share a lot of those stories. We have a great show lined up for you here today. Okay. Well, we're going to be talking about four segments. Uh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> The first one is common myths of small business ownership. You know, there's so many myths out there about running a business, owning a business, acquiring a business, funding it, all those kinds of things, all that stuff involving a small business. And naturally, there's myths, myths running wild in many cases. We're going to grab one of them and talk about it. That's what we do in our first segment. Second segment, Dirty Secret of the Week. That's what the whole program is named after. And we're going to have something that exists in the small business world that uh, we're just going to sort of uh, highlight and talk about it also. Third thing is the how come question in which we're going to ask, I'm going to ask primarily leading with a how come with a question mark. How come this or that after I pondered the last week, uh, I'm going to come up with an issue that we're going to kick around. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. All right. But that's the scheduled segment anyway. And then a small business success story that uh, comes from the the annals of our small business coaching experience. Adam and I had been together for 15 years coaching small businesses, 1 to 25 people. And you small business owners out there, we'd love, we'd love to engage you one way or another uh, on this radio show or otherwise. That's right. If you want want to reach out and have a story you'd like to share or a question you've got, we like to say from the how come part of it, you know, if you have a question that starts with that phrase of how come this or how come that, uh, you can reach us in a couple ways. Uh, we're here every Monday from noon to 1 Eastern here in the studio. The number here in the studio is 440-946-9468. That's 440-946-WINT. If you don't want to be on the radio, you can also email us, and we'll be happy to, to read your question on air. 
Uh, the email address is radio at MaximumVP.com. Very good. You know, most small business owners are stuck in a state of how. What the heck does that mean? Well, in our, our long involvement with coaching small business clients, I know right now, all you small business owners, you're going to ask yourself or somebody a how question today. I know you will. You have already. It's noon. It's a little past noon. So I know you've probably answered or asked that question a couple of times. We specialize in answering, framing and answering those small business questions on how. How do I create a profit plan? How do I do this? How, how can I get my price low, lower, how, higher? How do I find good employees? It's endless. That's what we specialize in. We have a lot of fun doing it. It's all those how questions that you are stuck in, and we would love to talk to you about getting unstuck from that state of how. That's right. If you want to get a hold of us when we're not in the air, you can do that by giving us a phone call. It's always good, 877 849 If you want to learn more about us, you can also check us out on the web at MaximumVP.com. And if you're a Facebook fan, you can hit us up on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash MaximumVP. Lots of ways to get a hold of us, and uh, we're always looking forward to talking, and we love talking to small business owners. You know, I have to, I have to, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, but there's sadness here raining that uh, over the weekend, St. Edward High School lost to St. Ignatius, and I just thought I'd pass that on. Yes, it's all. If you hear, if you hear a little lowering of my voice, it, uh, right, there's only sadness in one half of the studio this morning, so <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> It's always a joyous occasion when the cats can take the Eagles down, so we Ooh, enjoy that, ouch. especially in the playoffs. It hurts, but he's absolutely right. So hopefully we'll continue on for the next couple of weeks as well and get that state title back. We'll see how it goes. Two in a row, two state titles in a row for the St. Ed's Eagles, but uh, somebody had to get it. Usually they're the ones who do it, and we do it to them too, so it makes for <laughs> pretty makes interesting for good rivalry, right? Yep. Just another thing to be thankful for, Jack, high school football. It's yeah. a good thing. <clears throat> you are absolutely right. Very true. <clears throat> All right, so our common myth this week, let me jump into this. We're going to debunk this myth. And uh, something that, again, I think when people are first starting out, this is what we, more what it's kind of geared towards. For those of you who are in the listening audience who have just started out, or maybe that are thinking about starting a company, it's very important for you to, for, for, to, to listen to this segment. And the, the myth we're here to, here to debunk is that your business will be profitable in the first 6 to 12 months. Hmm. Okay, so... When we talk about profit, and I think that's one of those words that uh, there's often some confusion with that word, but uh, I think from the mentality that we're talking about here, it's in terms of the owner being able to take some money out of the business. And so it may often be where we off, we, we've talked a lot about you know, on this show and talk about it all the time you know, off the air as well, is the idea or the mentality of a job versus an owner mentality. So that, that, that job mentality, which is more the paycheck type mentality of, being used to a consistent weekly, bi-weekly, monthly paycheck uh, versus the owners who, uh, again, the owners like to make money as well, but they aren't as necessarily as focused on that, that week-to-week or bi-weekly or monthly paycheck. So if you're thinking about starting out or if you've been starting out and you have, having trouble you know, taking money out, don't worry. That's perfectly normal, especially early on, to, be, you know, to have some of those struggles. And early on, especially the first year or so, where you're trying to get things off the ground. Well, the problem is so many people start a business without the adequate knowledge of what it takes to be successful in that business, and especially, 
generating profits and or more importantly cash flow so they don't know how to analyze it usually because of what they don't know is going to hurt them they jump into it and they have an expectations that as long as they do certain things whatever those certain things are they basically are going to be okay the money will be there well it takes a skill to basically lay out that spreadsheet showing how the first year, how the first several months are going to unfold. And you want to do that before you're starting to write checks into the into the Netherland here that basically uh, uh, is, is going to drain you. You know, you, you to, to get profits in the first 6 to 12 months of a company takes a lot of planning and then execution of that plan. And in order to do that well, it takes knowledge and you have to have some experience in doing that, either yourself or a very, very good partner, which we'll talk about a little bit later, perhaps. But uh, uh, that's required, and and that often is what's lacking. Yeah, so I think being focused on the cash flow part of it, where is that going to come from? Yeah, you know, I, I recall when we first started MVP up, you know, almost 15 years ago now, and you know, one of the things we had is we had some money set aside to to, to make sure that we could live and pay you know pay bills. And I recall having this discussion with with my wife about it. You know, asking about what you know what you know, what's Plan B if Plan A doesn't work out. And <laughs> she didn't like my response, which was, "Well, there is no Plan B because I'm gonna put all my efforts and energy into Plan A to make sure Plan A does succeed." Um, but how young and naive you were! <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it worked out pretty good. Fifteen years later. Yeah, so. but I made sure we, we had enough money to pay the bills, and I wasn't worried about the paycheck early on. You know, knowing that, you, that there's certain things you have to do to help grow and sustain the business. And making sure that you can do that without having to worry about taking money out month to month or week to week is a big, big deal. So if you're starting out or if you're early on, you got to make sure that, 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 that there's money available to pay the bills, both from the business standpoint as well as personal standpoint. It's very important. You, know, you, you can't minimize that. You can't go in on a shoestring or, or hope you're going to start to get that paycheck in, in six, seven months. Uh, you can hope, but ain't going to happen unless it's well laid out on paper and you have a market advantage and, and products or services that, that make it a slam dunk. Haven't seen too many of those, though. No, that, I think that explains, Jack, why most people, when they start out, often they'll start out on the side. You know, they're, they're working a day job, so to speak, and then, that, you know, in, in their off hours of the weekends, um, instead of getting some sleep or spending time with family, they're they're getting things launched because they, they, they have the money to pay the bills from, from their day job, and they're trying to get things kind of moving in the right direction. That's a great way to get to get things kind of started to test, to see. Is there a market there for your product or service and see if you can start to generate revenue and, and eventually profits from that? Yeah, it's a good good way to do it. It's the right way to do it. Unless, of course, you hire a business coach, a good business coach like Maximum Value Partners. But uh, uh, if you don't, that type of planning is necessary. That type of holding and reserves is necessary, and you should do it. So yeah, so if you're if you're going through that process right now, again, if you're early on, don't be frustrated or, or worried if you haven't started to make some profits yet. It's perfectly perfectly normal, and keep focused on getting those profits in there. All right, so stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to be revealing our dirty secret of the week. I'm Adam Sunhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, and we can help you get unstuck from all those endless how questions that you deal with constantly. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at wintradio.com. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. 
I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches, and we help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how. Don't you wrestle with those how questions on your own? We can help you. We've helped hundreds, and we have fun doing it. We love helping small business owners get unstuck, and we certainly could help you. If you'd like to uh, be part of today's show or any of our future shows, you're always welcome to join in. Uh, we, we're here from noon to 1 Eastern every Monday. And you can reach us in the studio here at the phone number is 440-946-9468. That's 440-946-WINT. If you'd rather submit a question or, or a comment or a story by, uh, uh, by email, you can do that with us as well. Our email address is radio at MaximumVP.com. All right, we're at the point of our show where we have our namesake of the show, which is the Dirty Secrets of Small Business, and we're going to reveal and talk about our Dirty Secret of the Week. And this one is a good one. It's one that we, we've had lots of discussions about over the years and love to get your feedback on it as well. But the Dirty Secret is that good partners, good partners are hard to find, but boy, are they invaluable when you find one. Boy, is that true, Adam. That, that is... Out of all the truisms that we've uttered over over the airwaves here, that's probably one of the most uh, significant ones. If you can find a good partner, there's nothing better. And fortunately in my business career, I've had good partners just about every time, and I've been in many, many deals and many different situations. And I consider that, since it's Thanksgiving time again, I consider that a, a real blessing including you, my, my good friend Adam, who uh, has been my partner here with uh, our, our business ventures for over 15 years, and we do good. We do, we do very well together, and as we get into this a little more, we'll talk about where you find good partners. Right. Yeah, we were always surprised when we, when we first started coaching. If you talk to a small business owner, almost I would say probably seven or eight out of ten have had experience with partners in some form or fashion. And it seems like the vast majority of them have had some negative experiences. And we're always surprised. I mean, it's to the point where they've had experiences that have been bad, and, they, and they've kind of now sworn off partnerships. And we try to make a little analogy from the standpoint of, okay, well, when, you know, it's like dating in the personal world. So if all of a sudden you're dating and things don't go so well, it doesn't mean you now swear off dating or, or potentially getting married to somebody. It's just, you know, that, that relationship didn't work out. It doesn't mean that it's that partnerships or dating or, or having a significant other doesn't make sense. Just that means you may have picked the wrong one. And that's the same thing is true for business. And so finding those good partners. And so finding them, then if you do find them, hold on to them. Because a good partnership, you know, you have two good people like that, or three good people if you have, if you have multiple partners like that, can beat any one individual, guaranteed. Because there's, there's so much more that, that, that those folks bring to the table. And it's going to enable you, if you find the right kind of partner where you aren't too similar you got to complement each other and be a little different because you can then play to your strengths which makes it fantastic for that partnership that's right you know it, it a good partner will take the stress away much of the stress that business can can entail and it increases the likelihood that you're going to be successful however you define it there are many ways to to define success but the the creating and, and reaching the mission and aims of your partnership are enhanced tremendously with a good partner. And when I talk about stress, when I talk about delivering value, you know, we have in our coaching process two-on-one. That means both of us, Adam and I, both 
deal with every client together. So I can watch while he's talking, vice versa. We can bring in and interpret opinions. Uh, I might have the flu or he might or feel like uh, something's coming down here and not feeling on the A game. We pick each other up. And, and not only does that deliver tremendous consistent value, but it also makes life so much easier. Because then after the client leaves, we chat about him and, and her, and uh, uh, life, life in the coaching lane certainly becomes much easier. Right. So, so finding those good partners, often I think people tend to look in the wrong place for those partners. And we've had all kinds of experience with this over the years. And uh, usually one of the places people look that isn't necessarily the best place to look, and it, it was, it was, I don't say it was probably more surprising for me personally, because you know, this is true for me growing up, you know, where, where my parents were, you know, partners in a business. And so we've had lots of spouses who are partners in business and it doesn't work out very often. Sometimes doesn't it work does. out well, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it becomes tough because uh, often, you know, one of the, the, the key successes that that, that that my parents had was they're able to take and leave work stuff at work and and kind of have have separate, you know, at least in their mind, kind of divide things out between home and home and work. Such an exception that is. Yeah. so rare. Ten percent. Oh yeah, and yeah. You know, well, we had a client early on, and uh, it was a husband and wife team, and boy, they would come in and. The wife would be yelling at the husband about things that happened three or four years ago, top of her lungs. It was all personal stuff. Really vain, vain splitting looks. I mean, screaming. You know, we don't stay there too long, but uh, yeah, I I remember that one very well. well. It was a a daily, multiple times a day occurrence, and you know, some of the other the the other team members would tell us about it. Again, they they weren't telling us about it. It was the rest of their team telling us about it. How how awkward, how uncomfortable it is to listen to the owners. Yelling about yelling to each other about stuff that has nothing to do with the business creates all the wrong tone and tenor. That's it's a very very common occurrence and especially true for family. You know, I'm picking on spouses as one example, but when you've got siblings or or, or if you've got uh, you know parents and kids together, uh, often it can be very difficult to draw those lines or to when you come into the business to see each other as partners, not necessarily seeing them as again as a spouse or a brother or a sister or, or, or a son or a daughter or, or a parent. And so you've got to you've got to get rid of those things. Well, you you handle it. I mean, by well, you don't handle it well. You take the problems that you might be having uh, uh, in your business on Wednesday, and now all you're sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner, and those same feelings and those same issues are still boiling if if they're problematic, and often they are. And if there's money issues in the the company, which often it is with a small business. Uh, those problems just manifest themselves tremendously when you meet personally, right? And that's that's why, to your point, Adam, you know they they most small business owners are going to start with family. Hey, my brother, we've been talking about this for ten years. Finally, there's an opportunity to do it. And the lack of knowledge, the lack of objectivity, the lack of differences in experience are what dooms these. That's not the best place to start to find a partner. So where is the best place to find a partner? Well, in our case, we've been together for 15 years. Uh, how about a caddy at a, at at a, a golf country course? club? <laughs> <laughs> or how about picking somebody from from your your, your that's a that's a sworn enemy? You know, like our, our our high schools are total opposite. You know, they're, 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 you know, or Ohio State, Michigan. Going back, you know, there's, there's different things that you, know, you try to look in different places where you, where you try to be very objective about things. There's, you know, there's no one best place. So much of this is instinct and, and a lot of luck. 
you know? I mean, there really is a lot of luck uh, in the case. And I, I've had a lot of good partners. And you, you have to be able to compromise. You have to be able to see a, a, a certain personality, a certain value system. And you can pick that up when you chat with somebody over, you know, a few months' time. Uh, you you kind of know what you're getting. And if you take a jump because you let the deal itself drive you and you're all enthusiastic and you can't wait, or somebody waves a check or there there's a big order or something you got to do to start jumpstart this thing and abandon all those good instinctive, all those good instinctive uh, uh qualities that's where you get in trouble and it's but it's there's a lot of luck believe me there's a lot of luck in choosing a good partner there is and, and we're not saying to, to not choose family just be be very be more be more diligent about that maybe you know even than somebody who's not a family member to be able to try to figure out is that the right fit for you because at the end of the day partners are fantastic for a couple of reasons one is when you when you have some burdens or tough times, they can help shoulder that with you and help to you know take that that that, that heavy that that heavy rock and help to help to alleviate some of that weight, which is which is a big deal. And then when it comes to having very positive times and celebrations, it becomes exponential having a partner like that as well. So correct though, you know, good partners. If you get one, hold on to them. All right, stay tuned. When we come back. We're going to see what Jack's been pondering here for the last week in our How Come segment. I'm Adam Sonhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We can help you get unstuck from that state of how, all those how questions that you have. Dump them on us. We're good at those. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at WINTradio.com. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches, and we help small companies, and we help the owners of those small companies, and we help them get unstuck from a state of how. you got many, many how questions. Fire them at us. We can help you. That's right, and that's a great lead into our, our current segment, which is what we call the How Come segment, which is uh, how Jack's going to frame what's been on his mind here that he's been pondering for the last week or so, and he may have more than one, but usually he starts with, with one, and we'll try to relate it to the small business world about how come this or how come that? So if you want to share a how come question of your own, you're more than welcome to do that. And our number here in the studio is 440-946-9468. That's 440-946-WINT. We're here every Monday from noon to 1 Eastern. So you know, if you're not listening to us live and you're listening on the podcast, you can call us here on Mondays from noon to 1 Eastern, and we can be happy to uh, hear your how come question. But for today, we're going to listen to Jack's how come question. That's right, and uh, I got a couple of them today. And the first one, and and this comes from talking to some very good friends of ours who are are real tennis, not pros, but almost. They're very, very competitive. They play well. So I'm thinking of tennis balls. And all of a sudden I was watching a little bit of tennis on TV, and the question came up. All right, and here is the question. How come there's green fuzz on a tennis ball? How many people know that? As, opposed, that as opposed to what? To what? No fuzz. What? Oh, to no, fuzz, fuzz. no fuzz on it. <laughs> How come they have fuzz? Why isn't it just the ball? So according to this official document that I read, fuzz on a tennis ball isn't for fun. It's functional. Tennis balls are made of bouncy rubber. And the felt covering helps make them softer, 
slow their speed in the air, and regulate their bounce. It gives a lot more surface for spin, which is a big deal in tennis. All right. So that's why there's fuzz on a tennis ball. So I kept thinking more on that, too. And there was a big football scandal here a couple of years ago with deflate gate. <laughs> <laughs> so could somebody create a scandal? Maybe it's going on. How do the they tennis? check the fuzz? What if you shaved a couple of tennis balls and put them into uh, play? And that played into your strong serve. I don't know. There could be issues like that. Um, just thinking. Just pondering. So fuzz gate? Fuzz, sort of a fuzz gate. A fuzz gate for tennis balls that could uh, uh, be challenged. Uh, the winner of, of a big tournament could be challenged for shaving tennis balls. How do, they, how do they control that? I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't that big of a ponder, but it was a ponder. Okay. <laughs> okay, what's the other one that I'm talking about or was pondering over the weekend? How come most of us do way more talking than listening. Why is that the case? And that's true for almost everybody, me included. And I like to consider myself a good listener. And you <laughs> included, Adam. You're a very good listener. But I still think we do more talking than we do listening. Well, why is that? That's a great question. I've had the discussion with my 10-year-old all the time as I explained to her as well as our fifth-grade basketball team that you've got uh, two ears and one mouth. That's the idea right. is to try to do them, you know, so you try to do it in proportion. So twice as much listening as you do talking. But it kind of goes in one ear. I know. The they look at me like I got three heads. Around. Right. Crazy old man that I am. That's what happens. So, you know, we could probably solve the country's problems if we listen more. You know, I mean, not, not really that close, but something that's certainly the big divide that we're experiencing right now in politics and culture. If people tended to listen more and weren't so anxious to quickly talk and, and continue talking, I think answers might be forthcoming well is, is that taught anywhere how to listen i mean you, you hear different terms about things like active listening and that but the whole idea of of, of just listening is that is that taught anywhere i don't know More versus being learned like in in schools in terms of classes i i don't know i well, think they tell you they tell you to pay attention don't they is that the same thing as listening <laughs> that's something different yeah or they uh, say listen up though they? they smack in the back of the head or they don't do that anymore that's well, they, 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 they might that. in uh, real private places, but <laughs> okay. yeah, public places, you don't do that. There'll be six people not listening <laughs> <laughs> who are getting their point across and charging the Bastille here. You know, it just uh, Bastille's, uh, well, I won't get into that. All right. Okay. So I found as I searched as, through my ponderings here, I found uh, a, a lady, her name is Minda Zetlin, and this is an article in Inc. Magazine. And she wrote this article, and it's titled, Seven Smart Reasons You Should Talk Less and Listen More. I thought it was pretty good. Plus, there's a picture of a dog on the uh, article. Oh, guaranteed so to be good, he's then. He's listening more. He's got his paw behind his ear, and uh, he's, he's listening and shutting up. I'm sure it's an actual photo, too. It probably isn't photoshopped at all. It sounds good. No, not at all. I think that's a... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first one of the seven points, I'm only going to read six of them. Maybe, depending on uh, if this seems to be rolling here. Okay, knowledge is power. So, information drives the world, she said. A person who's talking is giving away information, often more than he or she intended. A person who's listening is receiving information. 
So given that, who do you think gets the best deal out of that situation? The person listening. So knowledge is power. And when you're listening, especially, and I'll, I'll touch on this again, especially when you pause, so many people feel totally intimidated. If you're, if you're in a conversation, even with a good friend, and there's a pause because there's so much talking going on, all of a sudden the, 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 the person who isn't aware of the power of a pause will feel the need to fill that vacuum and start talking. So by being quiet and selective, you basically are creating a power that otherwise would not be there if you're talking over that rather than listening. I thought that was pretty interesting and very true. So wait, so a, like a pregnant pause? A pregnant pause, yeah. As opposed to a non-pregnant pause? I never quite understood that phrase, pregnant pause. Is it because well, it's uncomfortable? Is that what they're trying to say? I, I, it, it, you, you know, unless you're aware of it. We've, we went to a, uh, uh, a, six-month, a six-month course taught by this Ph.D. in Connecticut. That's where she lived, and uh, teaching us how to conduct group sessions on the phone. And this is a six-month program. And one Remember of the key, key takeaways that I took, and you, you experienced it. We used to have to run the group. There were eight or ten, eight, eight people in the, in the class, and we get online or on the phone every Wednesday, and she'd instruct, and on every Friday we'd get on the phone, and one of us would be in charge of uh, running the, the group with the subject. And we would, we, would loo- we would take the instruction from the prior day and try to put it into the, to the program that we're using to lead the group. And one of the things that I took away was pause. So here you are trying to conduct a group session, and all of a sudden the conversation stops, and there's a pause. And that pause, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, seemed like a lifetime. And if you aren't aware of that, and now that we are aware that I use that many, many times through the years, you know, to let people feel the pressure of having to say something. Silence, <laughs> silence can be very intimidating. And I think that's one of the issues here that, that uh, she's trying to get to with knowledge is power. Okay, that's a good technique. Now, number two, you won't reveal anything you'll later regret. So if you aren't doing all the yapping and you're doing the listening, you aren't going to say something that you shouldn't say, where that other person might. They put themselves into a hole, and how many times have you revealed something that you later wished you hadn't or expressed a thought you might better have kept to yourself? If you're slowing it down, pondering a little bit before you speak, that person across from you, statistics say that 7 out of 10 times they're going to talk themselves into something they shouldn't. And if you use pause as, as a technique here, you can even enhance that. That's a very good takeaway. It really is. How about uh, you You won't say anything dumb? Abraham Lincoln. Better to remain silent and be thought of as a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. I love that. I love that uh, phrase. And it's just very true. So if you don't talk, you aren't going to mess around and make the, the, the mistakes that you otherwise would. A person who's doing the talking will feel understood and cared about. So if you've sat there and listened to somebody for 10 or 15 minutes, they're going to walk away and tell somebody, hey, that Adam's a great guy. You know, we were together for blah, 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 and he's just, uh, you, you have no idea what Adam's about because you're doing all the talking, but you felt great. 
Sure, it's some of the best conversations people have. They've been talking about themselves for a while, and it's uh, it's very natural, especially for those more reserved folks, to kind of let people just talk and kind of let them go, and you know, again, let, let them get, go, let them right? get it, let them get it off their chest, right? It's a powerful relationship building tool and an especially powerful sales tool. You may gain inside information, okay? Very often the other person will jump in to fill the silence that we were just talking about, and further information is going to come that they never planned to share with you. And when you speak, when you do speak finally, people are going to listen. If somebody's been dominating the, the topic, there's six, seven of you, three, four of you, however, and one person's been doing all the yapping and there's one quiet person just doing all the listening, finally that person talks, you're going to be heard. And if you're a leader especially, that, be, that could become a very, very important tool. You know, somebody who never shuts up, you stop listening to them, you stop hearing them. So those are some of the seven smart reasons. I gave you six of them. And this is a subject that we'll pick up again on another day because it has tremendous application to your business, to the groups that you're dealing with. And we strongly recommend that you try to listen more than you talk. Excellent. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to move on from the wrong hire. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. And we listen. We listen very well to people, and that's how we help them get unstuck from a state of how. We can help you, too. We'd love to. Stay tuned for more Dirty Secrets of Small Business on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online at com. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're the guys who can help you with those endless how questions that you have. You know, don't you wrestle with those yourself, really. Uh, you know, give us a call. Uh, call the station. Contact us in many ways. You know, we've had great success in helping small business owners uh, with these how questions. All right, we're going to be talking in this segment about how to move on from the wrong hire. Again, this is the part where we will share different stories from clients of ours. I'm sure that's one that you can all relate to. If, if, if you ever hired somebody or hired multiple people, chances are you've known sometime when that person's really been the wrong hire. And how do you, how do you move on from that person? Because it's, it can be tough. And it was tough for this client of ours as well, kind of going through that. And a couple of things that we always like, like to, to reinforce during during this this segment. One is that we talk about a small business. We're talking about usually anywhere from one to twenty five employees, and we use use our seven keys to success to coach our clients through. And if you go to our website at maximumvp.com, and there's a there's a a menu item there called the MVP Playbook. If you click on that, you'll see a a, a link for the seven keys to success, and there's a nice graphic there that kind of lays out what those seven keys are. And a couple that, that that relate to this are the organization and profit plans, as well as leadership. So we had a client who was hired a young professional. He's looking to develop this person into more of a production role. So when we talk about business, in addition to our seven keys, we have our three circles. And the three circles are the product or service, marketing and sales, and then and, and the, the administrative stuff. Those three circles represent everything that could conceivably go on in your business. Right. Stop and think of the power of that. Everything in one simple visual. And most of it starts around the product or service. There's an expertise there, a knowledge there. And 
That's often the case when you're hiring somebody, too. Usually the first hires tend to be folks more in that product or service area. They don't worry about the marketing or sales, per se, or the administrative stuff. It's, it's really more making sure you have the right folks in the product and service standpoint on board. And so th- th- that was the case here, too. He's bringing this person on board as more in the production role. And that person then kind of morphed into more of a marketing and sales role. And then eventually just became more of a sales role. But it just wasn't working. And, you know, what happened was when, when you have somebody in that more of that marketing and sales role and it's not working, that can be tough because the pipeline for new business starts to kind of dry up. Mm-hmm. And what happened was this became very, very emotional for the, for, for the owner. You know, the owner felt personally responsible for trying to develop this young professional. And it took nearly a year to pull the trigger on this person. Even though we'd known for a while, he's trying to move the person from one seat to the other and trying to, you know, trying to put them in, in a different seat to see if that would work. It just wasn't, you know, no matter no, where they put this was, person, was it just the, wasn't the, working. That was the, the behavior style of this owner more so than anything else. And he felt very guilty. Yeah, he felt very, very, it was a very difficult move for him. And I think that's often the case with business owners. You know, it's not easy letting somebody go, and it's not easy telling somebody something that's critical of their performance. So we tend to dodge it, and, you know, you, it, it becomes, I guess, easier only from a standpoint of experience the more you do it. But it's a difficult process, and for some people it's almost impossible. Yeah, people talk about leadership a lot, and what does that mean? And it can often be a very, uh, very sexy, attractive thing to be known as a good leader. You know, but leadership's tough at times, especially when it comes to 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 some of the, the tougher choices on people. And so, uh, having those those difficult discussions. But I think first off, first off, one of the, the key roles of a leader is to admit when you made a mistake. And it's it's often very tough for our culture to admit that you're wrong. Yeah, very much so. And it can become very tough when you're the leader and the owner of an organization to admit that you made a mistake. Because, you know, whether it's conscious or unconscious, many of the folks are subconscious, opposed to unconscious, but uh, many of the folks will think that you have all the answers as the owner, not realizing that you make a lot of mistakes along the way. It's You, know, you have to be comfortable with that and, and know that you're going to make mistakes. That's part of that. That's part of what you get with being an owner and, and getting in that leadership role. So be able to, to admit those kind of mistakes. So it took this owner nearly a year, and Jack talked about his style. His style was very, very reserved, uh, more task-oriented. You know, so the people side was not something he really liked anyway. Um, but to have those difficult conversations or to be able to admit making a mistake and being wrong is awful, also very difficult for that particular disc style. And Disc style. Wait a minute. Yes. See, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening. When I listen, I learn things. So you know what DISC is all about, right, Jack? I do, yeah. So you got those four behavior styles of D, I, S, and C, and the, the C is more reserved and more task-focused, which is where this person was. And so they don't like to admit, to admit when they're wrong, because, they, again, they, they, and these are people in your life who are typically right all the time, because when they do speak up, usually they tend to be right. Um, but the people side is very draining for them, especially if they you know, if they're having, have to have difficult conversations. So after about a year, kind of going back and forth, you know, this was, like I said, you know, to Jack and I became apparent pretty quickly, but again, part of our coaching is to help coach folks through this. And one of the things we learned early on in our coaching practice is we have to be very patient with folks. Yeah, you just can't ram these things through. You, you see it, and it's very frustrating that you can't implement it. We, you know, there's no portal that we can plug in and, and say, okay, when you come back Monday, 
you're going to have this life's experience here, and next one, the next time you got to do it, it'll be easier. It doesn't work like that, as you all well know. Right. So a big part of what we do in our coaching isn't telling people what to do. It's helping them discover things. And then once they do discover it, it's helping them with the how that Jack always talks about, which is the how part. of How do I kind of work through this? How do I have this kind of discussion? A lot of the role-playing and practicing for those those difficult discussions, it's tough when you, we, 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 you haven't fired somebody before. That first person you fire, I guarantee everybody listening today, you recall that. If I'm talking about it, you can almost probably feel that that knot in your stomach. You know, you maybe you're losing color in your face because you're you're feeling what it was like to be in that situation again. You know, that's so so true. You can you can vividly I can vividly recall the first person I fired, and that's yeah, it's like uh, assassination of a president. It's like uh, you know, so many so many big events in in your life, and that's a big one. And it's it's one thing when, when when you know you're at a bigger corporation, you have to terminate somebody that maybe you weren't you know that you didn't necessarily hire or, or bring bring on board. It's altogether different when it's your company, and you probably brought this person on board. And you got to again admit that you made a mistake and not quite the right fit, and just be able to kind of move on. So, it took about a year for this owner to kind of go to, to go through that process of discovery to realize that this was this was the, the wrong person, and help kind of move on. And doing it, and we always try to use this phrase of what's best for the organization. To yep. keep it at a very high level and to try to take as much emotion out of it as we can. So he's able to make that move after about a year. And it went pretty well. I mean, to the point now where it's been it's been, been, you know, been, been almost a year now since since this happened. And the relationship is still pretty good between you know the, this owner and the former employee, the point where they're, they're still in contact of talking about things. I think it's rarely a surprise to somebody when you, you have that discussion of, hey, it's time to kind of break. You know, it's not the right fit. They know that it's not quite the right fit, too. So it's not like it's rare that it's a that it's a total surprise to people. So I think in this case, it wasn't a surprise for this person either. It's a matter of okay, one if the if the boss isn't going to make the 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 move, well, we'll, we'll kind of keep holding on. So um, in the you know, within the first six months of when you know this person was let go, the owner stepped back into that role and got the pipeline kind of filled up again. It took a it, again it took a good six months to get things kind of filled back up again. But things are back to where things are, are are going very very well, and it for the for the owner, you know, it he you know he felt it personally from the standpoint is his personal draws each month were getting delayed. All of a sudden, the, the money wasn't there anymore. That, that often that becomes a, pretty, a big impetus, that's, right, that's <laughs> for making a, these things kind of happen. That's where it starts to hit home, right? And uh, that was a pretty high high paid employee, and it had an impact where we were in the development and evolution of the company. Yeah. So, so he's moved on. The, the company is, is doing very well right now, positioned for fantastic growth. Um, they're, they're making a profit again. You know, this last part of the uh, of this year, and positioned for fantastic growth going forward. But if he had made the, the 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 choice earlier, he could have avoided some of the pain. But some of the the, the lessons you have to learn, you know, through your own pains and struggles, as we kind of see it and coach people through. What you know, what do you do when you're there? All right, so we, we appreciate you being a part of the show again today and, and, and listening to, to the Dirty Secrets of Small Business. You're invited to tune in every Monday at noon. If you have any questions beforehand, you can shoot us an email at radio at MaximumVP.com. Check us out on Facebook.com forward slash MaximumVP or give us a call, 877-849-0670. Okay, you know, at Maximum Value Partners, we have a lot of fun with our clients and we take time before we even bring them on board but if you're a client of ours you're going to be successful if you stay with coaching all right if you missed a part of this show or any other any other show you can check us out on itunes and the podcast there or wintradio.com look in their archive programs as well as at tunein.com 
Okay, learn more about Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Monday at noon. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM and 101.5 FM and WINTradio.com.